Welcome to Strategic Real Estate Coach Radio, hosted by Josh Cantwell and Kyle Gariffo. Strategic Real Estate Coach is where the nation's leading real estate investors, brokers, and agents turn to transform the way the real estate business is being done in neighborhoods across the nation. If you desire to make more money, do more deals, grow your passive income, and build the lifestyle you've always wanted, you need Strategic Real Estate Coach. This powerhouse team is led by Josh Cantwell, a seasoned investor with nearly a decade of experience over 700 transactions and over 5.5 million in fundraising generated for himself and his partners. Now, sit back, listen, learn, and accelerate your business with Strategic Real Estate Coach Radio. So, hey guys, welcome back. Josh Cantwell here, strategicrealestatecoach.com and Freeland Ventures. Welcome back to Strategic Real Estate Coach podcast and interview series. I am uh, in particular, excited to be with you today to talk about private lending with a, a relatively new friend. His name is Keith Baker, and Keith has an amazing podcast of his own called the Private Lender Podcast. Keith, welcome to the show. Thank you, Josh. Glad to be here. You bet. You bet. So, Keith, let's jump in. Tell us a little bit about the Private Lender Podcast. You have a passion for money. Uh, you've done a bunch of real estate deals, but you also... Uh, have you know a, a full-time uh, job really uh, with, a, with an amazing opportunity as an owner shareholder in your existing company and that's led you to become a real focus on passive investing uh, as a self-directed IRA investor and a private lender so tell us about the podcast and your passion for private money sure yeah well the, the podcast was born out of um, I was on vacation with the family um, my whole family loves the beach I don't so when we're sitting down in Florida one day in August, and uh, I live in Houston, uh, heat and humidity are around me all the time. I don't see why I need to pay extra money to go and you know feel it on the beach. But uh, it all came uh, together that I um, I wanted to tell people about p- private money, and I'll, I'll get to kind of how why in, in a second. But um, it, it's passive. It's every time I talk to a real estate investor, what are your needs? Oh, I'd love to get more private money. Love to have more funding, more private money, easy, quick inexpensive, forget the banks, you know, hard money, all that kind of stuff. So I said, okay, well, um, I've always been told that I have the face for radio. So why not go ahead and, you know, start a podcast. And I launched on uh, January 1 and have been fumbling my way through it ever since. And I absolutely love it. I, I do have a great day job where um, I, uh, I bounced around. I did construction. I did the oil field, worked on the rigs. And I've always enjoyed real estate and the construction aspect of it. I, and for a while there, I was a contractor and I did a lot of flips for other rehabbers. And, but I, I quickly found that I was doing all the work. You know, I'm the one that was uh, getting the hangnails and, you know, bleeding fingers and everything. And I didn't, so I, I was, as I was trying to transitioning with my, you know, I had to have a nine to five. We had a, you know, had a family. Um, I wasn't the type of person just to quit. So, um, when I got out of the oil field and went into insurance adjusting, which is what I do now, but I still do it for the oil field. It's a high dollar, high, high ticket items, but I travel at the last minute off. I mean, there's a bag, literally I have a bag next in the closet next to the front door. Something goes boom, I'm on a plane to go. So it really prohibits me from meeting contractors or future tenants or, you know, and, and I know it, it, this is at that time, I and mean, this is, you know, a decade ago, it's not, what it is now where you can just walk up with a smartphone and get, gain access to a house. So I focused on private lending and I had some old 401ks because um, like typically like someone born in the seventies, I've bounced around 
from job to job to job until I finally landed on the yeah. one I'm at now. So I had a bunch of old 401ks, converted them. Uh, fortunately for us in Houston here, there's a wonderful company called Quest IRA, gives free yeah. education and started walking down that path and became known as just a, a lender, really. And I, but I would loan to only to whales in the Houston area, the big, big names. But, uh, and I would often, I would do at ridiculously low interest rates. But the caveat was that that borrower had to walk me through the deal so I could see their business from start to finish on that property. And that is what really, that's when I saw the power of private lending. It isn't just the money or the debt that you're getting. It's the education, it's the network, and uh, really just the knowledge of uh, and seeing things and how people do things. And that's really for me where the, that's where the golden nuggets are, yeah. not just the payments. Yeah, you bet. I recruit capital often from people that think they want to be active investors, right? And when I educate them about self-directed IRAs, they're like, oh my God, I have this old 401k with 300 grand in there, 150 grand or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and they're like, well, can I actively flip money using this self-directed IRA cash? I'm like, well, you can, but all the profit has to go back in your IRA. And they're like, ah, forget it. I don't want to do it. It's too much work. <laughs> <laughs> so then I'm like, well, you could lend to us, you could lend to these other borrowers, and you could follow along the process and learn while you're getting an interest on your money. So it's very, very similar to what you're talking about. Now, Keith, you handle millions of dollars of other people's money every day, and that's why you become comfortable as a private lender with your own cash. Mm -hmm. so tell us a little bit about that. Like you're managing money in these, you know, and, and, and taking off on planes, and you're used to looking at risk. And you're used to looking at trying to mitigate that risk. How is your day job sort of permeated into your private lending business and managing that risk? That's, that's funny. You make it sound a lot sexier than it really is, but uh, I'll, I'll happy to walk you down. That. Yeah. <laughs> that's, um, yeah. Uh, so basically what happens is uh, my background was drilling. So usually the upstream stuff. So anytime there's a well blowout, there's a fire or like say a refinery, something goes boom that um, that's when I get to go to work is when I'm a loss adjuster. So when these, these things happen, I get on the plane, I go look at them quickly. And, you know, if it's just an oil well fire, I'll, I'll write a report. If it's a refinery that gets a little more involved, you have to get engineers and accountants and you get into some very um, complicated financial calculations for things like say business interruption, where something goes bad, there's an insurance policy that'll pay your, your monthly kind of revenue, or at least the profit side of it. Uh, but it's based on, uh, well, I don't get into it. I guess why I get the accountants into it. So, uh, but the, the, the point being is the people I work for are mostly Lloyd's of London, syndicates at Lloyd's of London. It's, it's their money that's being paid out to these oil companies. And it's up to me to, to pour through every, all the invoices to make sure that everything is relevant to repair. You know, if, if widget A blows up, then I look at the whole repair process, I'll liaise with the engineers on, you know, what, what, what the cause was, so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, it's all about what is that going to cost the insurance company to re reimburse the oil company. And so I've, you know, I've actually hand delivered checks for $5,000 to small oil companies in Houston. Um, also negotiated uh, settlements in excess of $100 million dollars for some famous hurricane claims. So it's, um, you know, it took me about five years to get over the fact that this isn't my money and to kind of lose that awe of, you know, if I make a mistake, this really does cost somebody. Uh, fortunately, it doesn't cost a life, you know, at the end of the day. Um, I just deal with, with dumb iron and property. I don't deal with feelings or soft tissue, fortunately. But, 
it's still, you know, people get funny when it comes to money, you know, so especially if they feel like they're losing it. So um, it was just kind of a natural fit. So because of my adjusting career and, uh, you know, uh, jumping on planes at the last minute to go look at things that are burning into, okay, well, I can do this passively. And you know, I remember uh, being in a small town in Pennsylvania and getting a call from a property manager about how we're going to have to evict. And I'm like, why are you just send me the bill, get it done. I don't, <laughs> I don't need to be in this process. You know, if the metrics aren't met, get rid of them. So uh, that's, that's how I've, I've kind of like, I like the passive thing. It's other people's money, although it's my money that I loan, but it's, um, it's, it just kind of, it just kind of naturally progressed for me of looking after someone else's money and doing the same thing with, with uh, in the oil field, but doing the same thing with real estate. Got it. So Keith, is there any kind of criteria specifically that you look at now in your real estate private lending practice that you talk about on your podcast? Is there a checklist or a, you know, a, a, a go, go for flight, uh, you know, sort of check off plan before you lend money out? It's, well, it, actually, I'm, I'm, I am coming up with that. I, I speak about my criteria. Uh, like, well, I'll give you one of my, one of my pillars. Um, is, well, pillar number one is uh, there are two types of ROI. First, I want to know, am I going to get the return of my investment back? That's number one. And then if I am going to get it back, once I've established that it's going to come back or I'm relatively comfortable with it coming back, then all right, how much am I going to make on that? Uh, that's, the, that's the first pillar. The second pillar is never lend to family or friends. If you have the money to give, give it with the expectation that it won't come back. If it does come back to you, they pay it back. Great. But Thanksgiving and Christmas gets really odd when people commingle money with friends and family. Ask me how I know. Uh, (laughs) So those are the, 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 the two big pillars. And the third pillar is I tell people unequivocally, if you're starting out as a private lender now, Josh, not someone like yourself with, with years of experience, but someone new to the private lending game, stay the heck away from subordinate liens. Don't loan on seconds, thirds, et cetera. Just stay in the first position lien. It's the best way to secure yourself until you can get comfortable with somebody's business model, how they lend. I tell people never take a second position. I have two seconds and an unsecured note out right now that I do because I know the it's based on the people, you know, it's based on their work history and their, uh, they're also their investment history. But that's kind of my go-to is like, stay away from that early on, get your feet wet, learn how to do it safely. You know, and when you, so when you are in a second position, you're not just sitting there with your hand out because, you know, you've basically given up all control over your money at that point. You're, it's, it, to me, it's like an unsecured note, just handing, handing some, uh, somebody some money. So that's kind of my, my hard and fast. Uh, also, Never lend to newbies. That's what hard money lenders are for. That's why they charge 15 to 18% and all those points because they're, they, they look at it the same way I do, but they're in the business of making money. Right. I, I'm in the business of investing with money. So it's, it's, you know, it's more passive. It's, it's different, but I look at it the same way. Like don't only go to whales, people who have, have a proven track record. Another thing is in local markets, lend to people who would take a reputation hit if they didn't pay you back. Yeah, you know, I like that one. You I've put, before, you put you more know. skin, you put more of their skin in the game. Like skin doesn't have to mean money, you know, necessarily. Obviously it does. If somebody comes to me and goes, hey, this is at 72% after repaired value all in, I say, okay, you know, we'll put it in another 6 or 7%, get me down to about 65 and we'll talk all day. That's one way you can put skin in the game. The other is if somebody is a whale in the market and they're, let's say they're, they're starting off, they're coaching or they're getting students in the area. Um, I will loan to a student if it's, you know, a newbie, if they have a coach, 
that I know and trust and, 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 and have seen them, them work. And so if one of those whales in your local market messes up, I mean, look, and look, it's not to say that people don't make mistakes. People that with experience make mistakes, but some, a whale in the market can't just walk away and go, you know what? I messed up. I'm not going to pay it back. I'm just going to walk away from this because they've got reputation on the line. And right. that, that is, an, is a whole nother uh, level of, of protection and mitigation that uh, a lot of people don't, uh, don't think of. Yeah, I like that. Those are some, some great ones that I haven't thought about. Reputation damage. I don't really talk about that too much, but so true. Um, yeah, well, in, in your business right now, I mean, you, you know, it, it's better. If you make a mistake, it's better to fess up and say, look, this is, it's going to cost X. I need two months to give you the money back. You yeah. will be made whole, you know, and you, you, if people can go on, yep, this, 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 this investment didn't go through. But you know what? I got made whole. Josh yeah. kept his word. He did what he said. That's huge. That, that goes a long way, especially in this day and age, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And we've got we've to make people whole, not only get them their principal, but their interests yeah. at all costs. Like not, not that we're going to do anything wrong or fraudulent or anything at all costs, but literally like in my mindset, it's like getting people when they invest with us, the first thing on our list of things to do in our business and values is make sure we protect our investors' principal. It's number one. Um, they're our number one priority before I take any money out of the business, before my partners get paid, my, my staff knows like everybody is on the line to make sure that the private lender gets their money back, their principal at least. Mm-hmm. And then of course their interests too. Um, but you know, rule number one is never lose principal. Mm-hmm. Rule number two is refer back to rule number one. <laughs> yeah, was, yeah. Never lose principal. Um, so Keith, I know you've, you, you've went down a number of different deals. You've given us some amazing sort of pillars of what to look for. Uh, what, is your, what is your traditional type of loan that you like to make? Is it always a first mortgage lien, like a private lender loan? Do you invest equity in deals? Are you looking at um, longer term equity plays where you can get your principal back and be an owner in perpetuity? Just give us a flavor for some of the different deal flow that you've looked at. All the above. Yeah. It started off uh, I was, the way I kind of became into, I, I, um, there's a guy I interviewed, his name's Tom Barry, investor loan source. And Tom was a similar background to you, you know, financial advisor and got into real estate and just, just killed it and had all these private lenders saying, Hey Tom, I got money, but it's not working. So he, he put it to work and I was going to put my money, my 401, old 401k, I was just going to roll it over into his fund. And he had this great conversation. He was, on, he was open and honest and he, he laid everything out. And I decided after that phone call, I was like, yeah, I think I want to do this. You know, uh, I want to learn how to do this. And you know, I wanted to niche down, learn everything I could about that and be known as a, a private lender. Because uh, I figured if everyone's looking for a private lender, that's the guy I should be. And so, um, <clears throat> excuse me. I decided to do that. And when I, and I did that, I started looking at, all right, I'm going to do fix and flips. Give me two points. I'll give you 10%. You give me two or three points up front. Every six months, we're turning the money around. I'm, I'm happy on my interest rates. I'm happy on my, my cash flow from the points. Uh, but it was in my self-directed IRA. So I, I don't get to see that money. It just accumulates. And then as the, I, so I'd started lending to just a handful of guys, a couple of guys really. And then business models changed. They went from buying and, and selling into more of a, a wholesaling niche uh, because of the, the market was dictating. So they didn't need private money. And so I was actually traveling for my day job. I was in Scotland and I got a phone call and they said, Hey, would you mind loaning to this guy? And 
was like, yeah, I know of them in the Houston area. Okay, sure. I'll talk to him. Well, long story short, that guy is Landon Rothstein. He's now my partner in Asset REI. And uh, he's um, co-owner of 713 RIA and 713 uh, Coaching, Mentoring. So, nice. it, yeah. And, and, and through Landon, he's introduced me to people like Mitch Stevens. And, hey, look, turn this into a seller finance note and collect on it for 20 years. So now I'm in, you know, I um, still uh, part of the Atari generation. I do like that instant gratification from the flips, but I'm looking now more, I, I don't mind taking a smaller interest rate for three years, for example, if, if it's going into a, a project that I believe in where somebody who's not mortgageable can come in, step into a house, start making payments, have their piece of the American dream. And then as long as they're increasing the value of my property or the equity that my, my, my loan is tied to, I'm happy, you know, so it's not all about the 15% anymore. It, oh, I, I won't turn it down. Don't get me wrong, but it's, I'm, I've gone from the short attention span into the longer attention span because at the end of the day, uh, as much as I love my day job and want to uh, exceed and excel at it, I don't want to do it forever. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> I want to I be able to sit back and say, okay, I've got X amount of money coming in from either my private lending or my real estate holdings or both. And so that's where I'm kind of, I'm kind of shifting now. I mean, um, you come to me with a good LTV, a good loan to value. If I'm all in at 50%, uh, there's not a whole lot of projects that I, I won't shy away from. I mean, there are some, uh, there's certain areas that I won't, uh, you know, I'm sure you've heard about this little storm called Hurricane Harvey, and, yeah. uh, you know, and all the other hurricanes. So there, there are some things along the coast that I won't uh, get into, but if, as long as it's a deal, I will at least sit down and listen with, with, with whoever's presenting it. Nice. Nice. You know, so, so that's a long way of saying I really don't have a criteria, but I have all the criteria. <laughs> yeah, sure. What, what, what did the, the deal dictates, right? The deal dictates. So if you're looking at. Yeah, well, I, a friend, the first guy I loaned to, loaning um, single family residents, and he comes to me and says, hey, I got this commercial opportunity. And I'm like, whoa, that's out of my wheelhouse. I don't, you know, I got to stay in my lane, my single family lane. And he was convincing enough, uh, successful, young, young guy, but had been doing it already a decade. And. He jumped in. He said, look, I need 70000 for this. I was like, mm. I was like, I tell you what, as long as it appraises for one fifty, and you get a, a commercial appraiser, you know, with a thick booklet of, of what this thing is going to be worth, I'll take a look at the loan. And the appraiser came back uh, with a value of $305,000. So I called the borrower and I said, look, I'm going to loan you this money and um, you don't have to pay me back. I'll take over. I'll foreclose and I will loan to you again and again, <laughs> you, keep bringing, you keep bringing these kind of deals, you know, almost all my risk went away. You know, like you, so many things could go wrong for $70,000 and still recoup 300, yeah. you know? And so that's when I started, okay, um, I need to start looking at other things and, you know, sharpening other tools. And so now I, I, I don't make it a habit to loan on commercial, but I will, in my free time, that is what I'm studying up on. Nice. There you go. So Keith, what's, uh, what's maybe a crazy deal that you didn't do or a deal that you passed on? You know, obviously you said you look at a lot of different stuff. You've probably seen some pretty wicked deals come across your desk that you passed on or things that maybe you funded that you wish you passed on. Uh, so tell us about that. There's a, well, there's a couple, there's a couple of uh, second position liens that I wish I would have passed on. Okay. I'm happy to say that it did work out for me, just not in the timeline that was agreed. But um, yeah, that's uh, the second position's when you do that, you just take yourself out of control and that's not a good place to be yeah. uh, for, for me, for someone like myself, other people are okay with it. You know, like uh, I'm going to give you my money and I don't expect to see anything really for three years. 
you know, that, that, that's great. Uh, some of the ones that I wish I had, there was this, uh, for lack of a better term, a mansion, an old mansion that was going back to the bank and we needed about $120,000 to, um, to make the, uh, to make everything right with the bank, get the, the payment going back. And basically we were looking to kind of take it over on a sub two type, type of deal. And it was about two and a half hours away from Houston, almost to Louisiana. So I got up one Saturday, drove out there, met the, uh, the owners and it was just, uh, it's too much, you know, it was, it was too opulent. It's, you know, the, the market was so small, the, you know, the, the, the buying list, the buyer list was so small for something like that, that I didn't want to tie up my money into it. And so I, you know, uh, thank the people for meeting me out there, walking me through. I was like, you know, I'll, and this was a deal that well, my, my buddy Landon, my partner Landon uh, had, had found. And I said, no, I called him on the way home. I said, no, I, you know, I just, I'm not hundred percent comfortable on that, you know, if it was 20,000, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have a problem with it, you know, but it's a half a million dollar home and, and they had converted it to an office. Long story short, um, my 120,000 would have doubled in about 40 days had I pulled the trigger on the deal, but I didn't because I wasn't comfortable with it. So yeah. I, I, I say that's, that's a successful loss uh, for me because I didn't, you know, if you don't, nothing venture, nothing gained. But at the same time, you know, it's real easy to sit back and Monday morning quarterback that deal. But it's just, I, I like, uh, in my area, I like deals between fifty dollars to $200,000 on the house. Uh, you're going to find plenty of people to get into those, those, those homes. Once you, you know, and half a million dollars, I know in places like California is a, a hovel. But uh, in, in Houston, in Texas, that's a, that's a half a million is going to get you a nice spread. So yeah, it, was, uh, it was too nice of a property. And I, uh, I still... I, at the end of the day, I made the right decision. I wasn't comfortable. I stuck with my gut. I didn't lose money, but I could have made so much. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's often not the deals, though, that you don't do. It's the deals that you do that go backwards. Yeah. That often affects somebody's, you know, financial future, you know, forever. It, you know, a lot of people can't afford to lose principal. Yep. And, you know, if the, oh, I could have done this deal. Oh, I could have bought Facebook stock. Oh, I could have bought Google. Great. So could the rest of us. However, yeah. good investors long-term make good, consistent decisions. They usually don't have a one-time windfall that makes them wealthy. It's usually about consistent decisions and avoiding a big loss that ultimately makes somebody a really good investor long-term. That's great. Um, Keith, any others? Any others come to mind that you're, you either did or didn't do? Um, yeah, there's, uh, <laughs> I paid $5,000 for a house I can't get rid of. <laughs> really? All right. Yeah. Um, it was back taxes owed and, uh, out of state owner. He, he, he got tired of getting the, uh, the notes notices from the city to they, they'd have to go by a city would go by and mow the yard and stuff. And, um, I remember looking, going to the house going, this is the biggest piece of crap. I have ever seen, but I've seen worse. You know, I've seen, you know, you stick around real estate long enough. You're going to see some, you know, you're going to go from the, the manure pile to the diamond. And I thought that I was going to make this into a diamond. And um, as long as it just gives, you know, pays for itself and doesn't cost me money at this point, I'm, I'll be happy. If, uh, <laughs> if it, but it's, you know, it was, um, it was, I kind of broke my, my rules. I was like, it's too close to the water. I don't like investing. I was like, okay, well, I'll just make him get a, a, a flood policy. And um, 
Well, I didn't. I didn't follow up on that. And I forgot to put in my attorney instructions to the closing company, the title company. So normally, um, that is, I am having some checklists uh, slowly built up, but I'm a one-man shop with the with the, uh, yeah. the podcast. So it takes me a lot longer to, to get things out. But you know, one of the things I look for is, you know, I want insurance binders in place for both, obviously for title insurance, property, and if it's um, in flood, if it's in Texas or anywhere, anywhere near the Gulf Coast, I, I, re, I require flood insurance. And if you can't pay the 450 bucks a year for, for the insurance that's outside of the, the floodplain, then you really don't have a deal. Yeah. So look at it. Gotcha. So Keith, last question. Um, looking back after, you know, lending out a lot of money and, and meeting a lot of people through your podcast and obviously investing in flips of your own, uh, is there any advice that you give your younger former self that you look back and tell our audience or tell yourself, man, this stands out a couple things I would have done differently that I think you can share that would impact other people. Absolutely. And let's go ahead and let's, let's replace the tape because I've got a whole Start over. things. Yeah. Uh, Lots of stuff to share. Oh yeah. Not, you know, I have few regrets in my life and I'm happy about that, but I would have, first off, I would have started much earlier uh, than I did. And I, I had, um, I had some people not in real estate, just, you know, friends of, of the family that, you know, tried to take a young 17, 19 year old Keith Baker and say, Hey, look, man, you got a little windfall cash from someone in the family, you know, put that away. I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to, I'm going to college. I'm going to burn all this money, you know? And now I, I go back and talk to these people and I'm like, man, if I would have just even 10% of what you said, you know, 20, 25 years ago, I'd be, I'd be, so much better off. So I would have, one, I would have started much, much earlier than, than I did, but I was, um, you know, typical teenager. Uh, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to change the world. You know, my parents don't know crap. They don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. Um, and then I started paying my own mortgage and I was like, Oh, Hey mom and dad. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I would, I would have started early. I would have jumped in. Um, I probably would have niched down a little, a little more uh, I, I went a little broad, like, oh, I'll try flipping. I'll try landlording. I'll try pick something, you know, find somebody who can, uh, whether it be a coach, a mentor, or even just a friend or family member, find somebody who's doing what you want to do and, and follow them and, and do it and do it sooner than, than later. Don't, you know, I was in my thirties before I, you know, had the aha moment of like, I've just let 15 years go by, you know? And, and so there's that, you know, constantly being behind the eight ball and uh, reading, I would have read so much more er- earlier on than because uh, now I don't have the time. Wife, kids, jobs, podcasts, investing. You know, I try to dedicate about 15 to 20 minutes a night in reading um, about real estate, about business and educating myself. Those are the, the three big things I would have done absolutely different. Yeah. Uh, and, and started saving. And because the, the, the one there's one negative side to private lending, and that's you're going to run out of money. You're only, there's only so much you can lend out uh, before you go into like broking or, or creating a fund and everything. You know, uh, so I wish I would have saved more so I could, I could have my hands in, in more and more projects. There you go. Nice. Yeah. One, one quick tip, you know, I, I started doing this the year I, uh, you know, I listen to audiobooks, right. Mm-hmm. And, but now I listen, I, I built up my tolerance for speed to the point where I could listen to them at 2.0 speed. And I, at the same time now can listen to them. I, I buy the physical book with a highlighter. And so I listen to it on 2.0 speed and highlight at the same time. And I'm able to pause it, you know, when I have something that I want to really want to think about or something I really want to push, 
push down into my, into my core and make sure I use it. Um, but for me, listening at 2.0 speed, I get through some of the minutia a little quicker. And by highlighting, I'm actually retaining way more than I ever retained. I've been reading, 42 years old, I've been reading all my life. Yeah. Especially since college, business books, hundreds and hundreds of books, real estate books, et cetera, success books. And now I finally feel like I, I'm retaining more. I've always been a really slow reader. So mm-hmm. I didn't really like to read because it would take me forever to get through a book. But now, so take that for what it's worth. Maybe that'll help you. You know, it's great because I, I do podcasts at 1.5 speed in the car for that same reason. Obviously, I'm not highlighting while I'm driving or I yeah. shouldn't be, but I, I, I think I'm going to incorporate that because you're, you're reading, you're highlighting, and you're listening at the same time, and that's really reinforcing. I like that idea. Yeah, I'll have to. Multiple senses, man, gets in there. Yeah. Pretty good. So, fantastic. Well, cool. Keith, thanks so much for sharing. Tell us a little bit more about where we can find your podcast, where we can get in touch with you if our audience wants to reach out. Listen to your stuff or approach you about a deal. Sure. Uh, in touch with you. Where can they find you? Yeah. So, uh, privatelenderpodcast.com is where you can find me. Email is Keith, K E I T H, at privatelenderpodcast.com. And you can listen to the show, iTunes, Google, Stitcher, SoundCloud, anywhere, uh, any platform that houses the podcast. You should be able to find me there. And um, while, we're, uh, while we're at it, uh, if anyone listening can go right now to the Private Lender Podcast and also go to Josh's podcast on iTunes, leave us leave us some uh, some ratings and reviews. We'd, we'd greatly appreciate it because that helps get the word out yeah. and helps people just like the listeners now to, to find this. So, uh, but that's uh, that's how you get a hold of me, PrivateLenderPodcast.com. Fantastic. Yeah, my team will monitor all those different platforms that that Keith mentioned. If there's questions specifically for Keith, we'll grab them off those platforms. We'll feed them to him privately. We'll get you some answers. We'll introduce you to the right people that can get you there. So, Keith, thanks so much for joining us today, man. Really enjoyed it. Josh, I really appreciate it, man. Take care. All right. Talk to you soon. You were just listening to Strategic Real Estate Coach Radio, hosted by Josh Cantwell and Kyle Gariffo. Leave a comment on our iTunes channel and let us know what you want to learn next, who you would like us to interview, or if you just want to share some of your success stories in real estate. And maybe we'll talk about it on our next show. While you're there, give us a five-star rating and make sure you subscribe so you can be the first to hear new episodes every Wednesday. Follow Josh Cantwell and Strategic Real Estate Coach on Facebook and Twitter. Check out all our awesome free training videos at youtube.com forward slash SREC video. If you want to find out 55 simple and powerful ways to find killer real estate investments, go to 55simpleways.com forward slash podcast right now to download our free report and get a ton of free resources on finding properties and funding properties. And stay up to date on what's happening right now in the real estate industry. That's 55simpleways.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening.